We're going to begin our service by singing together, and it's just a hymn as we come together to worship God. It's a hymn for us to sing together. I think we often sing this hymn to try and get together at one time in our mind how awesome and huge and powerful God is and how intimately involved with us He is. So, shall we sing this together as we begin our service this morning? Shall we pray together? Father, we come to you now. We gather together and we come to focus on you. And we know that you are the centre, not just of every sphere, but of whatever shape, whatever size, anything is, you are there at the centre of everything we've discovered in this universe. And you are awesome. We come to worship you because of your power and your might beyond our imagining and understanding. Lord, and what's even harder to understand than that is how that you are close to us, that you draw close to us when we seek you. We also know, because you've told us, that to you our hearts burning for you, listening to your words, is the kind of glory that you want. So help us this morning to give you that glory, drawing close to you and what you've told us, so that we can be transformed and walk around in this life with a glow that comes from you. So Father, please hear our prayer in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Care News. We continue to pray for uh, Mark and Elaine. We pray that uh, all will go well and, and we pray for Elaine and the family uh, and you know, including the new baby Juan Pablo is in Colombia and again we pray that he will have a safe uh, helpful and enjoyable visit uh, we also think about Malcolm and Perline recovering from time in hospital is, is Malcolm okay? right okay super and you're okay Pauline has had a cold and has been feeling quite low, so please continue to remember her. And also we think about many people who have ongoing difficulties, health problems and, uh, and just general difficult circumstances. And we, It's lovely to, to, to have uh, Marion and, and Gladys with us this morning and we, we do think about you and yeah, the, the ongoing uh, issues that you suffer we think also about uh, John Bernani in the Congo and we think about uh, Alan McGaw and, uh, and his ongoing support of his father Joe is preparing care news next week and uh, so if you have any care news please uh, please pass it on to her and we're going to have our pastoral prayer now. So if anyone has got anything else other than what Martin's already mentioned that they'd like for us to pray about together, if you could let me know now. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you and as we thought about in our opening hymn, we remember your largeness, that you are in control of everything. So Lord, it's good it's because that it's you that we can come to now. 
Father, we ask you to um, be with Mark and Elaine, in particular Elaine and her unborn child. And we just ask for your hands to be on them, to keep them safe. Father, there are lots of other people who are feeling under the weather and can do with our support. And we pray you'll help us to give that support and that you can be a comfort to them as well. Father, we pray for Perlin's friend, John, whose father died. Father, Father, please be close to them. And again, help us and Perlin to do what we can. Thank you for the blessing of Perlin's friend, Jeanette, and uh, particularly in what she's doing for Perlin and despite her illness. And also we pray for Isabella's friend. She's only four and is really, really poorly. Lord, we pray that your hands can be on her to heal her. Father, we thank you for hearing our prayer. Thank you that you're happy to have us come to you. Please, please hear our prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to have our readings now, which is from John 20 and 21. Uh, Jeff is going to come and read the first chapter, um, John 20, and then uh, Debbie's going to come and read uh, chapter 21 for us. The Gospel of John, reading at chapter 20. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned round and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realise it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary, 
she turned around towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that she had, he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter... Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel from, Gal- from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realise that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends! Haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment round him for he'd taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, 
for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dare ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. And this was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, Do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, Feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following him. And this was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumour spread among the brothers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Thank you, Jeff and Debbie. Now we're going to sing our next um, song now, which is the uh, account of some of that passage that we've just read. Very good morning, everyone. Um, Before I start, I have to say I am very indebted this morning to Charles Crawford's printer. At nine o'clock this morning, I didn't have any notes. So he's fortunately spared my blushes and prevented me from using the age-old schoolboy excuse of the printer's broken. So thank you very much, Charles. For those of you who are baptised, I'd like you all to, to cast your minds back this morning to the time of your baptisms. Or perhaps more importantly, the time just before your baptism. 
Because during that time, just before your baptism, something would have happened to you. It could have happened very quickly or it could have been uh, something that happened over time and a process of gradual change. However it happened, whatever it was will have transformed you forever. And this morning that's what I'd like us to think about, transformation. This morning we're going to be spending our time in these final two chapters of John. When I, when I was preparing this, and I looked at the readings for the day, I, I, I was a happy chappy. Because these, these two chapters are two of the most important and most beautiful chapters uh, in the whole of the Bible. In a way, I don't really need to say too much about them. I mean, just, just reading them, when I sit down and read them, it really does, it makes me well up inside. Because for me, these two chapters give us just a faint glimpse of life in God's future kingdom here on the earth. And they also contain the message of life, the message that he is risen. We sang it just now. And it's the message which transforms us to a place of joy, to a place of hope, peace, worship and glory. So all I want to do this morning um, is to consider the experiences of three ordinary people um, whose lives were transformed as a result of their meeting with the risen Lord Jesus. And we actually, we looked at these chapters um, as part of our Bible study at SCYC camp this year. And what I want to do today is just really give you a very brief snippet um, of some of those things that we we were thinking about over the week. So firstly, I want to look at the experience of Mary Magdalene because she was the first person to meet the risen Lord Jesus. Secondly, we'll look at Thomas. And thirdly, we'll see how Peter was transformed when he, when he met with and encountered the risen Lord Jesus. So, firstly, let's think about Mary. Because Mary is someone whose life was completely turned around by Jesus. At the point where Mary meets Jesus in this chapter, um, this, is, this is what we know about her. So, we know that Mary spent a lot of time with Jesus. She loved him and she trusted him because Jesus had done many great things for her over the years. Over, and just a few years, really, that she knew him. One of the first times uh, that we meet Mary is on the occasion where Jesus heals her. It's in Luke chapter 8, if you'd like to turn there now. Luke chapter 8 and verse 1. After this, Jesus travelled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. So here Jesus heals Mary and he heals her of seven evil spirits. Uh, And from that moment on, she follows Jesus and she does such an important job. She has such an important role in Jesus' ministry because she's there providing for him, providing food, providing a bed for the night. Such an important aspect and service that she provided Jesus in his ministry and teaching. 
Another incredible event in Mary's life is the raising of her brother, Lazarus. Now, there is, there is some debate as to whether Mary Magdalene is, is Mary, the sister of Lazarus, uh, but m- m- many people think that that is the case. So, there you go. There's just two, two events in Mary's life that Jesus did some, some, some incredible things for her. And suddenly, as we come now to, to, to John 20, her Lord is taken away from her, or was taken away from her before. She's grieving the loss of a loved one, just, just as we would grieve. And we, let's pick up, this, pick up the story now in verse 11 of John 20, or I'll start from verse 10. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. So, the one thing that Mary had that gave her grief at losing her Lord Jesus, that gave her grief a focus, was this place, this place where the body of Jesus lay. And the fact that Jesus' body had now been taken away from her, or so she supposed at this point, it was like a double whammy. And she was so completely stricken with grief. But at this point, and of course Mary doesn't realise this at this point, she's caught in the thick of the moment that the world changed forever. This, this point was the start of eternity. Jesus had been laid in the tomb three days previously, in the darkness at the end of the day. And now here, and at the, this is dawn, in the dawn light, as the sun was rising, the message that he is risen was being proclaimed from this place where he had been laid. This was the start of something big. This was a new covenant, a new creation, a new heaven and a new earth. This was the point where two worlds met, where humanity met divinity, where sin met forgiveness, where death met life, and Mary, Mary Magdalene was the first person on the scene. Verse 12. And she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken, taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realise that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it that you were looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. So even when she sees Jesus, she still thinks that this body... The body of Jesus has been taken from her and she doesn't know that it's Jesus that she's speaking, speaking to. But then when he says her name, what a turnaround it is. So try, just try and imagine, put yourself there in, in, the, in the situation of Mary. Try and imagine what a complete change in emotions um, she experiences at this point. Three days ago, she stood from a distance watching as Jesus was murdered on the cross. And she watched in total disbelief. This was the man who had healed her. This was the man that had raised her brother from the dead. 
and she stood and watched in total disbelief as her master and friend hung there, bleeding and dying. And now she's standing in the garden. She's seen that the body of Jesus has gone and he's now standing before her, alive and comforting her. She's gone from a state of total and utter despair to one of complete happiness, joy and elation in in a split second, in the blink of an eye. And that's the impact that Jesus has on you and me. When we're sad, when we're upset and when we feel lost, it's the realisation that in dying for us, Jesus transformed the world and he transformed us to a place of complete joy and everlasting life. Have a a look at what Jesus says uh, in verse 16. He only says one word, and that one word is Mary. He calls her by her name. It's no longer woman, as he says in verse 15. It's intimate and it's personal. So, why, why is this significant? That's a picture of me and my two dear brothers. Why am I showing this to you? Well, what you see there is the relationship that Jesus has with each one of us here in this room. One of a brother or sister, sibling. And I'm showing this picture to you because I'm, I'm illustrating the relationship that I have with my brothers to hopefully try and Uh, illustrate the relationship that Jesus has with us. Because I know my brothers, I know them pretty well, I like to think, and I know how they're different. I know that Johnny, who's sitting here with us today, I know that when Top Gear is on, you don't interrupt him. When Top Gear is on, nothing else matters. He has to watch Top Gear. Rue, on the other hand, I know is a complete burk. So, so, so I know how they're different, and uh, I know what their interests are, uh, and I know, you know, all these, all these little things, little things about them, that I, as a brother, know. And that's the same. That's the same with with um, with Jesus. He knows us by name, and he loves each one of us as individuals, as brothers and sisters. He knew Mary as Mary. He knew who she is what her favourite food is, whether she's an early bird or whether she likes to lie, and all these, all these things about her he knew, and he knew, he knew how to, to approach this situation, this event in her life. Jesus knows me. He knows that I like photography. He knows that Emily likes to sing. He knows that Charles has a very unfortunate association with Liverpool Football Club, and he has a laugh at that. Um, so, so all these things, all these things, intimate details about us, Jesus knows. And it's wonderful to stand up here today and to look out at Jesus' brothers and sisters. That's what we are. And it's because Jesus knows and has called each of us by name that we can be transformed from a place of grief to a place of everlasting joy. Let's move on now and think about our next transformation, and that's the transformation of Thomas. Now, in the three years of Jesus' ministry, we we don't hear too much about Thomas. Apart from when he's called initially to be a disciple, we only sort of hear about him and is mentioned 
in, in two other incidences before Jesus' death. And that's, that's at the death of Lazarus, first of all. And the second is in the upper room. And both of those occur in John. But these two incidences do give us just a little insight into the relationship that Thomas has with Jesus. And I want to have a look at one of those now. If you turn to John chapter 14, and I'll read from verse 1 again. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? So at this point, Thomas didn't really understand what Jesus was saying. And it shows that he's honest. He hadn't understood what Jesus had to say and he wanted some clarity. And thankfully for us, he did because it leads to Jesus speaking those words that are written across the top there and which encapsulate why we're all here today. And they are, of course, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So be honest with Jesus in your everyday, everyday situations. If you don't understand something, just ask and you wait to see how he responds. And so Thomas was an honest guy and this honesty and need for clarity comes through when he too is transformed when he meets the risen Lord Jesus. Let's go back to John chapter 20. And I'll read from verse 24 now. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Now, it must have been pretty hard for Thomas at this point, because for whatever reason, he'd missed out when Jesus had visited the other disciples in the verses previous to this. And he was clearly at this point because he hadn't seen, seen Jesus, he hadn't met him, he would have still been grieving. And suddenly, all his friends, all the disciples who have seen him, who have experienced an encounter with Jesus, their mood had completely changed. Their mood, which would have been like Thomas's, one of grief, had completely changed. And he'd, he'd missed out, and he was honest with them. Let's read on. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side... I will not believe it. He was honest with them. Despite their encouragement and their saying, we have seen him, he still wasn't certain and he wanted to be sure. He didn't want to not believe, of course, but but he wanted that clarity. And doubts, doubts can inevitably crop up in our minds from time to time that test our faith. And, and Jesus understands that. He understood Thomas' need here and he understands our needs. And for Thomas, it was so important for him that he saw and that he touched and that he spoke face to face with Jesus. And Jesus recognised that need. Verse 26. A week later, so Thomas had to wait a week, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. 
Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. So Jesus meets Thomas' needs and removes any doubt in an instant. Thomas, in this case, is completely transformed from a place where he is doubting and vulnerable to a place of complete reassurance. And that turns to worship, my Lord and my God. Finally, Thomas understands that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And through Jesus, Thomas has come to God and his life has been transformed. So where where does this leave us? We haven't seen or or touched the holes that the nails made in Jesus. We haven't put our hand in the place where the spear went. But we, as Jesus says, are even more blessed than Thomas. Look at verse 29. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Let's consider our final transformation now. Peter's transformation from from denial to love and to leadership. In the events that we've we've read about this morning and and that are contained in the other other three Gospels, sorry, Peter is in a very different position to the other disciples. He's in a very different position because the last thing that he did before Jesus died was deny that he ever knew him. And so, in John 21, we come to this wonderful uh, scene of a barbecue on the beach. And I said at the start, one of the reasons that why I love reading these chapters um, is because I think they give us a small insight, a small glimpse into life in the kingdom. And I think this, this scene is one of, those, one of those insights. And it's at this time that Jesus restores Peter. And, and Peter undergoes quite, quite a remarkable transformation in, in this case. So let's, let's have a look at this, this re- reconciliation now. Uh, I'm going to read verses 15 to 17 in John 21. I'm going to change the words slightly just so we get the full translation. So verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I have affection for you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I have affection for you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you have affection for me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you have affection for me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You must know that I have affection for you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. In this conversation, Jesus deliberately causes Peter to confront his denial. Not to make him feel totally awful about what he did, but to heal him and to prepare him for a life of action and a life of leadership 
and a life of love. This conversation and meeting with Jesus is, is a dividing line in Peter's life. Because in, in his life, Peter's life, up to the death and resurrection of Jesus, he's generally all talk and no walk. For example, at the table in the upper room, Jesus, uh, sorry, Peter says to Jesus, I will lay down my life for your sake. But then, of course, a few hours later, he swears to the people that he's with that he, he, do, he doesn't know Jesus. Now, contrast this with what happens in, in the weeks that follow, or months following this, this conversation with Jesus on the beach. Being when Peter is in Jerusalem, he's proclaiming the truth about Jesus, possibly to the same people to whom he had denied that he ever knew Jesus weeks before. He's completely transformed. He's now, he's a man of courage. He's a man of solid faith. And a man who is telling the world that he is risen. Jesus says to Peter on the beach, he says, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. And a few weeks later, Peter is welcoming 3,000 believers into the fold. So hopefully, this morning we've seen how a meeting with the risen Lord Jesus had completely transformed the lives of these three ordinary people. Mary was transformed from grief to joy. Thomas was transformed from doubt to belief and to worship. And Peter was transformed from denial to love and leadership. But of course, they aren't the only ones who've been transformed by, by Jesus, by the death, by his death and resurrection. Because at the start, I, if you remember, um, those of you who are baptised, I got you to, to, to cast your minds back, hopefully, to, to, to that time when you were baptised. Because that was the time when, when we were transformed. Transformed from sin to freedom. Transformed from death and life after we too have encountered the love of our Saviour in our lives. These three people had an opportunity to meet with the risen Lord Jesus and so do we not only as we come and share bread and wine together but every day of our lives we have an opportunity to meet with our brother our risen Lord and I think we're, we're so so blessed to live in, in, in the post-resurrection world because these two chapters of John really are the beautiful aftermath of a terrible death um, and as, as you read them, you get this feeling that it was slowly, slowly dawning on the disciples that they were now living in the kingdom age. And that's where we are now. We live in the kingdom age. So, as we take this bread and drink this wine, maybe just try, try and imagine how it would have felt to be sitting in, in, in that locked room and suddenly have the Lord Jesus appear in, in your midst and say those words, those simple words, peace be with you. They are so simple, but they are so powerful. And I want us just, before we take bread and wine, to sing them now. We're going to sing peace to you. Uh, and afterwards, Andy's going to lead our thanks for the bread. Dear Lord, Lord, thank you that you know exactly what we need. 
as you as you came into that room all those years ago the room where your disciples were filled with with grief with mental and emotional turmoil it must have been a horrendous time for them and you came and you said peace be with you Lord you come now and you offer us peace Lord if we open our lives to you the confusion and the turmoil you can bring us peace Lord, as we come now to say thank you for this bread, we remember your sacrifice. We see this bread, Lord Jesus, is your body. And Lord, we rejoice that we can be part of this body, that you make us part of this body by your grace. Almighty God, thank you. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you that by his life, his death and his resurrection we can be close to you. We can be your children, co-heirs with him. We pray that you will bless us now. That you will help us to be sustained. To be renewed, to be joyful, to be confident in you Lord thank you for your peace Amen Trevor's going to come and give thanks for the wine for us Lord Jesus as I stand at the front of this church I see your family I see your children I see your brothers and sisters I see people you love. I see people who you put your arms around. I see people you have chosen. I see people who you died for. And Lord Jesus, I see people you are transforming. I see people who you are making into your own. I pray as we drink of this wine let you Jesus continue to work and continue to make us like you thank you dear brother Amen we're going to sing our next song now which is about uh, this victory that Jesus has won the post-resurrection age that we're a part of and that Jesus has transformed us he's made us free free from our slavery to sin and from fear and from all the other different things that um, need changing in us transforming us by his love close with one final hymn when we used to sing this I always used to think it was just about Jerusalem, but it's just the first line actually that's about Jerusalem. I know in our community we spend a lot of time talking about Jerusalem, but the important thing about Jerusalem, everything that's happened to it, everything that will happen to it, is it's about God showing us that in this real world, the physical world, that 
God's got a plan and it's going to come true and that we're part of it. So we're going to sing a song which is about the token of what God is doing in the world for us. Father, it's amazing to us that the things you promised, that sin and death and all these things that trouble us in the world will go away and that we will be your living glory. That's what we've just sung and it's amazing. This is what you've done for us, Lord. And now we're living as part of the resurrection age. We're part of eternity. And though, like Thomas, we haven't yet seen your face, we shall. So Lord, we pray for your kingdom to come. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.